animation and all the things. And so as I've transitioned into the role that I sit in now, um, I left part of what I was doing before. Can you hear me? Is that okay? Okay, good. I thought someone said you couldn't hear me because uh, I'm so important. Anyway, um, right? And so I did my other job uh, as I was sitting in the associate lead role and then left that chair to sit in the chair that I'm sitting in now, which means there was this void. And so in a lot of ways this past year, I've had to figure out what it looks like to do kind of two jobs. You, you all understand this, right? Especially parents in the room, like we have multiple jobs and we, we like we're parent, husband, wife, spouse, and all the things and then all the stuff that we got going on. And so as we've gotten through this year, we've uh, been looking at staff and what it looks like for us to kind of continue on. And so I can't do two and a half jobs anymore because I'm just not that good. Uh, but I have someone on the team that's really great. And his name's Travis. Travis and Tasha, will you join me on stage, please? Yeah. It's very kind of you to let her go first. Come on over here. Good job. Good job by you. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so Travis and I, we've, you got here actually about a month before I did in 2018. So uh, it's been a, a, a fun ride with you. And um, I just want to say, so Travis is going to be taking over my role. Uh, so he's going to be leaving the student pastor role and moving into the associate lead pastor and, 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 and what is required in a lot of ways, you guys are married, and obviously his first ministry is to you, but uh, we're kind of married too, <laughs> right? And, and I could be a very, very fickle spouse sometimes. Travis knows all that, um, and he knows all the questions to ask to make sure that I'm doing okay, and I know the questions to ask to make sure that he's doing okay, and we lean really well and really hard into each other. And so, Trav, I'm very excited that you're going to be stepping into that role. And you already have been in a lot of ways. We just haven't formalized it. So we thought it'd be a great day to formalize it today. Agreed? Agreed. Okay. So uh, we'll do talking for them afterwards. You can talk with him afterwards. Uh, so, but the question then is, well, then what happens to student ministry? Uh, Eric and Diane, when you come join us on stage too. All right, so as they're making their way up, now the question is, is Eric going to allow Diane? Uh, there you go. Good job. Oh, good job. That was funny. That was good. So Eric and Diane um, have been in our student ministry for last year. I'll move over a little bit so we can make room. And uh, you guys led camp this year. Uh, I didn't go to camp. I, I was told that I couldn't go to camp because you and I would get in way too much trouble, and uh, which is good, you know. But you don't want to be the pastor who gets kicked out of youth camp, and and I've been kicked out of Christian sports leagues before, believe it or not, in my in my story. So I, I thought that's probably good. I stay away. But so Eric and Diane have been uh, volunteering faithfully with Travis in student ministry over the summer and for the last several months, and so they've got this in their past where they've led student ministry before at other churches. And so they have felt the nudge to say, hey, we could step in and fill this role as they were seeing kind of the pool that I was having on Travis. And so we're very excited to have you guys at our church and all that you do. And so let's give them a round of applause, too. So super excited about that. So there you go, right? This is 2023, and we're moving forward. And we've got one more, actually, as well. Emmanuel Precious, will you join me on stage, too? So, yeah, we should come around this way, and we'll, we'll collapse back down a little bit this way. <laughs> right? I'm not doing that song. Okay. 
We're not doing that dance song. Anyway, but if you know Emmanuel and Precious have been a part of our church family for the last several years, especially, specifically as we have, they have planted the church in Accra, Ghana, uh, with our support and our assistance. And so uh, they're here, and you notice they have been here for, for a while, for several months now, and, and they have felt the nudge to, to come here and do ministry uh, with Crossroads for the next year or so, and then figure out what God might have on the table for them. And so we're real excited as well to have you guys on the team as well. You were already on the team, but now you're on the team a lot more. And so <laughs> that's good. Nobody ever claps for me like that. Anyway, anyway. No, and so real excited. So Amanda's going to be stepping on and doing some work with student ministry in different levels, joining Gino and his prayer efforts as well and what Gino has built here as a as an atmosphere of prayer, and then other things as far as men's discipleship and whatnot. And, of course, Precious is here as well, and they have a huge heart for prayer uh, and prayer and, and releasing people uh, with God's help and Spirit's guidance and whatnot. And so this is good. Like, this is good, right? And so in spite of all the challenges and all the things that churches are facing these days, like, this is good because this shows us that God's hand is moving in crossroads, right? Isn't that good? And, and again, like as we'll see, he'll provide all those needs. So here's what I'd like to do. I want you guys to take a step right there. And we'll have Dave and Richard, our elders that are here this morning. We're going to come around you and just pray. You can share something. Do we have a mic somewhere? Yeah. I figured. You know, I was, I was trying to get through this without Dave sharing something. But, you know, this is what happens well, with Dave. To. No, go ahead. No, I was it, during the song "Protector." I was just, oh, I love that song, and um, uh, I got a picture of you know when Peter Jesus walks in early morning, like five in the morning or four in the morning. It's dark, the, the seas are roaring, you know, and the winds are blowing, and the disciples are in the boat, and Jesus comes walking across, and they think he's a ghost, right? You've heard, y'all have read this many times. Oh my gosh, it's a ghost coming at us! How things are getting worse, and it turns out to be Jesus. And he's walking on the water, and Peter says, hey, man, let me walk out to you. He goes, okay, come on. So Peter, in this crazy storm, I think they're going to die. Peter steps out of the boat. Waves blowing, wind, all that kind of stuff. Think about that, right? It's scary. And he's walking to Jesus, and he looks at what's going on around him, and he starts to fall in the water, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, so much of us, everyone in here has their roaring winds and seas blowing all around him. And Peter started out with his eyes on Christ, then he dropped his eyes off of Christ. But yet, he reached up, Jesus reached for him and brought him up. And I think we all need that hand of Jesus. And we all have our storms. We all have the winds blowing. And things are going to blow harder, guys, I believe. And the winds are going to blow harder. Waves are going to be rushing against the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is going to take ground, right? It's going to take ground, and he's going to use us to do it, and we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so I want to say to you guys now with that, we all, everybody in here, you got your personal stuff, family stuff, you got where you've come from, where you are now, and what God's calling you up into. And then that next song we, 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 we sang was about Spirit Lead Me, right? Spirit Lead Me. And if you guys have been full-time ministry, I have not, but I've really walk close with a lot of people that have it's it's crazy right and you hear stories and they share stuff but they don't share it all with you you don't you don't often get to walk in the way that they walk unless you've been their shoes and so you guys I want to really challenge you guys 
you're our channels already because of the positions you have. But as you transition into this, these new roles, uh, man, uh, that song protector and reaching out. Don't don't be like a wave tossed in the sea by the wind and all that. Uh, you're gonna feel that way, but reach out to us. Reach out to Jesus. And walk with people that care about you and love you, and don't try to do it alone, right? Peter lost his sight on Christ, and that's our strength, that's our hope, that's our glory. And that song is such a reminder of that. But uh, you guys, I love you guys, and um, I'm so excited about what God's doing here, and I'm so excited about where God's moving us. And my prayer, do you want to pray? Okay. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of these couples that represent family, that represent children, that represent uh, all sorts of connections and relationships. And I thank you for bringing them together. I thank you for Tyler uh, having the vision to uh, pull these people in and ask them to step up out of the boat in a bigger way. I thank you for the courage you've given them just to say, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. I will I will move into full-time ministry. I will trust you in that. And that's, that's a frightening thing to do. Um, because it comes at a high cost. It comes at a, a high judgment. And it comes with accountability and levels that laymen don't, we don't, we don't have to deal with quite often. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask for your guidance, your wisdom, for your counsel, for your comfort, for your joy, for your peace, for your patience, for your goodness, for your gentleness to be above and about each one of these people representing here individually, for D, who's out there with the children, that they would be that towards you and them and you towards them, that they would be that towards one another, and they would be that towards their children, and they would be the fruits of the Spirit to the world that are lost, but they would walk and do it all in your strength. In the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, I pray, let it be so. Amen. Thanks, guys. I got it. I could do it today. It's fine. As I break it. You know, that would be funny if it broke, wouldn't it? It, it would be something. No, uh, and I just want to say, too, just quickly as we transition. Um, so as, as the entire staff, so I'm thinking Gino, Tanya, Diana, Dee, who's not in here, Edith, um, we've been... Uh, kind of living in this world before we announced it. And, and it's been a sweet, sweet little thing of unity. And so I think it's interesting to me that we spent a year in First Corinthians and the main theme of Corinthians is unity. And out of that year, uh, that we, we see that uh, at, the, at the staff level. And we're certainly getting, we certainly have that at the elder level. And so our thought and our prayer is that it would continue to press down as well uh, to all of us, that we would be knitted together and do this together. Because we can't do it ourselves. We're not supposed to do it by ourselves. And we're also not supposed to do it without his leading, right? And so I hope if you detect a, a difference, I, I hope you do. That's my prayer. And it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon all of us walking together in unity. Amen? Amen. All right. Second Kings chapter six is where we'll be this morning. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for joining us online as well. If you want to do a little bit of a deeper dive, uh, there's a sermon study guide that you can grab on the way out. Let me find 2 Kings 6. There you go. Last week, we, last week, 
We wrapped up our three weeks in Exodus as God miraculously made a way through the wilderness for his people. Uh, God going before the people and telling them that I'll meet you at the rock. Tony mentioned that during the set. It's so appropriate, I think, again for this morning. By the way, uh, she thought the series is over. Actually, we're not going to be out of this series. It's funny. It's like, here's the hope, and now it's done. Now there's no more hope, right? And I was kind of giving her a hard time about it. It's kind of funny. But um, we'll, do, we'll, go, we'll be in this series till Palm Sunday, right? And so we're just going to continue to press into stories of hope in the year 2023 because I think that's very important. Um, we've talked about many things, but what I want you to hear this morning is this. God has a pathway for each of you in your circumstances and a way forward. He has a pathway for each of us in our circumstances as we walk those out. Um, I was thinking of this story. I, my family and I, we were in Rio Doso, New Mexico, over fall break this is several years ago, and there's this one, you know, there's the big mountain peak, but there's a smaller peak called Nogal Peak, if you're familiar with it. And uh, we were hiking, and like Dean and the kids got tired, and so they stopped, and I was like, I could just see the summit, it's just right there. So I'm gonna keep going. And so I left them for about 30, 35 minutes. And of course, you know, what looks really close is not very close at all. So after about 30 minutes in, I realized. I've got another couple of hours in front of me before I come back down, and so I can't leave them by themselves. They're in this like idyllic little, you know, high mountain little flat top area with grass, and they're kind of sheltered from the wind because of the way the wind was blowing that day. But as I was coming back down, I got lost because there's not really a trail on Nogal Peak. It's not uh, there's a seal on top, but I got lost, and so I could see them below me, but I couldn't see how to get to them. Right. And uh, I was tracking my, my climb or my hike with my watch, and it has a function where I could, it'll plot where I go, and so I could actually retrace my exact steps. And so it's interesting to me is I had to go through this huge thicket of thorns to get on the other side to get to the summit. And then when I turned around, I couldn't figure out how I'd gotten through it because all I saw were thorns and branches and brush, and I'm like, there's no way I could get through this, right? I can't figure it out. I'd start a little bit and pull out because there's too many thorns. I was getting scratched up. I was starting to bleed, right? And a lot of times, I think that's what life is, right? Like, we, we think we get in these spaces and in these seasons where we can't get through the thorns and the brush and the thickets, right? But then I looked at my watch, and it was giving me a little arrow of where my steps were. And so I just had to follow the arrow. And a lot of times I think that's what it is when we get stuck, when we get pushed by the brush and we get poked by the thorns, we have to remember who our arrow is. And he'll show us the way to get through. And sure enough, I found the alley, this little sliver of alley, I was able to get through and come back down and meet with uh, Dee and the kids. You know, and so again, I'll just say, whether you're actually in a wilderness or not, Right? Like I was on Nogal Peak or, you know, who knows what the weather's going to be like this week and things might get crazy around here. But whether it's actual or not, whether it's spiritual or emotional or mental or relational or physical or financial, God has a pathway for each of us through that wilderness. Amen? Yeah. God has a pathway forward for each of us. And really this series is just telling different stories and celebrating how God comes through for his people, and you're his people too. It's easy to read this and get, well, we're not the Israelites wandering around the desert. You're just as much his people as they are. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you thought. You are as much of God's people as his chosen people and the Israelites were too in this story. We'll be in 2 Kings, and Kings was originally just one letter, and when the Bible got canonized, they split it up into two, if you're curious. And 2 Kings was written around 1015 B.C., or after the death of King David. So it was written about a thousand years before Jesus came on the planet, and it tells the story of how the nation of Israel divided into two kingdoms. You've got Judah on the south, Israel on the north, and eventually the Israel kingdom, the northern kingdom, falls first, which eventually leads to the southern kingdom falling. And so, and, and it's interesting to me, though, that when the northern kingdom falls, the southern kingdom gets their act together and is like, hold on a second. We've got to figure this out because what we're doing, we're on the same path that the northern kingdom is. And I think sometimes we miss that. Like, sometimes we, God puts circumstances in our path that allows us the opportunity to say, wait a minute, I need to change. I need to do something different. And what the battle is, is not just to realize that we have to do something different, but to press in and to make that a lasting change. Because it's real easy to kind of buck up, right? right? It's real easy to say, well, let me do this and I'll fix this. Like my marriage, like, let me just do this for D because this is what she likes. It'll make my marriage better. Well, not really, right? I have to actually make lasting change there. And so I think Second Kings, because the Bible is hilariously funny, opens before the northern kingdom falls with the demise of the northern kingdom's king, right? I won't read it, but if you want to read 2 Kings 1 that's through the first five verses, dude falls out a window and never makes it back. Like, that's how 2 Kings starts, is king falling out of the window. They don't say how he fell out of the window. They don't say why he fell out of the window. We can make our guesses, right? Um, but I guarantee he didn't have a parachute. So, there you go. Uh, but the major player in 2 Kings is the prophet Elisha. Elisha. And if you know the role of the prophet, the prophet was the man sent by God to the, to the kingdom, to the nation, to say, hey, you're following him or you're not following him. Do this, don't do that. And they were the warner. And Elijah is probably the more popular prophet. Elisha, with S-H, comes after Elijah. So we pick up the story with Elisha as God's voice trying to lead the king in the north as he leads his people. And it's interesting, right? Here's the, how the kings go, right? Here's, it's the, similar to our, our own understanding and our own um, experiences with our government in our country and probably governments all over the world. There's good ones and bad ones. There's not so great ones and, and really awesome ones, depending on where you fall on the spectrum, right? But the reality of it is this, is whether you have a bad president or a bad king or several or you, don't, you can't trust your government, or you can't do this because of that. The truth is this. God anoints rulers, both good and bad, for his purposes. Paul confirms this in Romans, right? So, like, whether you miss the president we had, or you hate the one that we got, or vice versa, depending on your political persuasion, God anoints the presidents and kings that sit over us, including our mayors, including our council, right? And he does that for his purposes, and I know it's a, that's a hard thing to listen to, considering that we have all the cable news channels that we have. We love to listen to certain ones. But the reality of it is that God establishes governments on the shoulders of Christ. God establishes governments on the shoulders of Christ. And so the, the question is, is, how could God work through a kingdom that's going to fall? And the reality of it is, is if we don't listen to God, we're on that same path too. 
We're on the same path too. So just quickly, we're going to be short today. Second uh, Kings chapter six, starting in verse eight. I want to read this over us. Okay, so we've got Elisha, the king of of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, and then you've got the king of Syria, right? So. Those were kind of the major players this morning. Starting in verse 8, Once when the king of Syria was warned against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent the word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said to him, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots, And a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Don't lose that this morning. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And then when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Please strike this people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. I'll stop there. Right? So here's the deal. Syrians can't get the king, so they have to go get Elisha because Elisha is the barrier between them getting the king. Right? So the king of Syria was warring against Israel, and Syria's goal was to conquer Israel, which they eventually will. But the ironic thing is there's a peace treaty between Israel and Syria. Isn't that funny? That there's a peace treaty, right? There's a peace treaty that was not being honored, and Syria was going to keep pushing until they consumed Israel. Get that? There's a treaty in place. We're not going to acknowledge it. We're not going to accord by it, even though we've agreed to it. And we're going to push and push and push and push and push and push until Israel is consumed. So the enemies of God's chosen people were bent on the consumption of God's people. That's what happens when people get conquered, right? Meaning if they oppose God, then they certainly oppose his people. And more than that, not when they oppose God's people, they also really oppose God too, unless God's people are doing something that they shouldn't be, and God uses the Syrians to teach them a lesson, which is what is going to happen here, although not today, right? They oppose God, they oppose his people. Sometimes they also oppose his people as well, even though they're not always doing what they're supposed to do. And the takeaway is this. Spiritual forces that oppose God also oppose you. Okay? Like, 
I don't know if you know that or believe that or not, but God, spiritual forces that oppose God also oppose you, and those forces never honor any agreements or ceasefires. Right? There's a treaty in place in the story this morning. They're not honoring it. And just like the spiritual forces that oppose God, that oppose you, oppose me, oppose us as his followers, they don't honor agreements or ceasefires. They don't. They consume until all power is consolidated because that's what power does, right? It, consol- it, it consolidates itself to where one person holds all the power. It's the, it's the point of monopoly. It's the point of chess, right? It's the point of checkers. Like, think about all the games we play, like we play over Christmas. It's all a battle for power and consolidated power. And just like spiritual forces oppose God, they also oppose you and me. And so much like Syria is using the northern kingdom to gain a foothold on the entire kingdom, so does dark spiritual forces. That's what they look for. They look for footholds. Now, I climb not so well, but sometimes. And climbing, footholds actually provide stability and a base to climb higher, right? A lot of times, if I'm not thinking about what, it, what I'm doing, I'll start trying to muscle my way up, which is ironic when I say muscle my way up. I get it. But right, I, instead of using my legs and my, the strongest muscles I have, I try to pull up my way up the wall instead of getting my feet set. Footholds, when used appropriately, provide a base of power and support, support and stability. See that? But on the other hand, spiritual dark forces gains a foothold and allows those forces to room, have room and operate in our lives. And it could be like this. So you're like, what are you talking about? Well, it could be this. It could be an agreement, right? Dave was, Dave was praying over uh, the couples a second ago. He was praying for them not to have agreements about what it is that they're doing, right? That's what we pray for you guys, that they wouldn't have agreements in your lives. Agreements could be anything that could be contrary to what God would say about you, who you are, how he's equipped you, what you're supposed to do, and why you're here. If you notice, we talk about that a lot, like equipping and, and uh, your, your gift set and why you're here is because we know that when we pray for those things, we're actually praying against the agreement that would say, actually, you're not worth it. You don't have anything of value to offer. You can't do anything, right? You can't do anything. It could be sin. We've all had those seasons where sin's really present in our lives and, and sometimes more and sometimes not. Or it could be a lack of connection. It's funny, I was looking through something this morning, and in my first sermon here, when I came on staff, it was called Anchor Points. And the idea is, is that when you rock climb, because I don't know, that's why, how I think about spiritual journeys sometimes, is that when you climb with someone, you're safer because you're climbing with a partner and there's a rope that's a connection between you. So if you fall, they've got you on belay, right? Well, sometimes spiritual forces that oppose you and oppose God and oppose what he has for you get you off on your own and you're isolated and you're climbing without a partner with a rope. And the fall is deadly. The fall is deadly as opposed to being on belay. Spiritual dark forces gains a foothold and allows those forces room to operate in our lives, in our spirits, in our minds, which leads us to truth number two. Don't allow Satan to have a continuous foothold in your life. Now, that's really hard because I'm really busy, right? And I get really busy. And sometimes I don't realize the footholds he has until they come out. And then do I have the people that are in my life that I trust that I could go to and say, man, this is really going on in my life right now. 
right? We all sin every day, which opens the door, but for us to keep the door open, right? We're going to open the door with how we live our lives. That's going to happen. But for us to keep the door open by either oversight, agreement, or inaction on our parts is dangerous. It's dangerous. And that's what the northern kingdom is facing. How, how, much is, how, much, how willing are they to keep the door just cracked? And God sometimes allow the Syrians to come in and open the door all the way, right? But here's the hope piece, right? Because this is hope. The northern kingdom will fall, but it won't fall today. So, like, no matter where you are and if that, any of that touched you anywhere, this doesn't have to be the end result of where you are and what you're up to and what God's up to in your life because the northern kingdom doesn't fall. Verses 9 through 10, Elisha tells the king, hey, don't stay here, right? Back to our text. He's heard where the seeds are going. He tells the kingdom of Israel to go another way because when they cross paths, it's like, hey, there you go. And that's what Syria wants, right? And I love it. In verse 10, it says, the king listened and saved himself at least once or twice. Isn't that funny? Like, I just, like, I just, I just love when the scriptures does stuff like that where it says, he saved himself once or twice. I wonder how many times I've saved myself by listening to what God had to say. You know, like I just, it's been more than once or twice. You know, I just love it. It's like once or twice. Oh, that's good. We're good. Once or twice. Me, not so much. I've like a lot of things. But I love that. Is that God is sending Elisha to the king to save him, which brings us to truth number three. God uses people in our lives to warn us of danger ahead. He uses the scriptures. He speaks to you with the spirit. And he also uses the community around you. Right? And so if you're like, why in the world am I keep hitting the potholes on the road? Why do I keep hitting this? Why do I keep tripping on this? Why do I keep running into this thicket of thorns and bushes and branches and I can't find my way through? Maybe it's because the people in your life you stopped listening to. Or maybe it's because you don't have the people that you did around you to listen to. I don't know. But God uses people in our lives to warn us of danger ahead. Have you ever felt that nudge, by the way, just living your life and someone, a complete stranger, tells you something that confirms something in your life and in your spirit in a good way? God uses complete strangers. What is he going to do with the people that love and care for you? Right? He uses complete strangers. The king of Syria is so troubled by how Israel escapes, he thinks he has a spy in his midst. This is the genesis of every Mission Impossible movie ever that's ever going to be made, right? Which I think part one of chapter seven comes out this summer. Like this is every, there's a mole, right? There's a spy. There's a spy in our midst. So we've got to figure this out. And verse 12 says this. I love this. It's so funny to me. And one of his servants said, no, my Lord, but but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that speak that you speak in your bedroom. Like we don't, there's no, we're all for you, nobody's against you, but this guy is causing all the trouble because he hears the words. He's not even in the same room. In verse thirteen, the Syrian king's like, "Well, if I can't capture the Syrian king, then who can I capture? Let me go after Elisha, right?" And you see that in the movie plots, right? It's like they have to go through this process of trying to single out whoever, who, who could be the mole. And so he finds out where Elisha is, which is Dothan, not like Dothan in South Alabama, but Dothan. Dothan, Alabama, by the way, is the place where you get speedy tickets. I just don't know why I know that because it's happened like four times. But anyway, right, there you go. 
Dothan, Alabama, don't go there, but, and surrounds the city of Dothan, which happens to be the capital of the northern kingdom. I think I have a picture of Dothan I just want to show you. Do we, did I have that? There, there you go. So there's Dothan, and so if you could see, like, it sits in this little dish in this little bowl, and so when it says they're on the hilltops around, and you can see why they were probably scared, Right? By the way, Dothan is also not just the capital of the northern kingdom. It's also the place where Joseph and his coat of many colors were sold by his brothers. So, just interesting to me. Just like stuff that happens in places, it influences those places. Right? This interests me. Dothan is also the place where the eventual fall of the northern kingdom. And it's interesting to me, it's brothers a long time ago before Elisha, cut off his brother from relationship, the kingdom of brothers in the northern kingdom will be cut off from relationship from the southern kingdom and how it just repeats that pattern, right? It's patterns. Like the, the, more I, the more I become familiar with Scripture, the more patterns I see. And I see that in our lives too. So Dothan is the northern kingdom becomes the foothold of the nation to fall. And so verse 14, the city is surrounded and often the enemy's plans are veiled where they cannot see what they're up to. They come and surround them at night, right? So they can't see them coming. And then they wake up, right? Like you imagine, like you're on vacation and you're like, um, and I'm in my safe space. I'm going to wake up. I see the sunrise. I feel intense connection with God. This is great. I've got a cup of coffee. Maybe you're reading a book. I don't know, right? Wherever your place is, it's the beach or the mountains or whatever, or a, a table or a spot in your house, or your, right? And you wake up. And you're completely surrounded, and everybody is losing their minds, right? Everyone is freaking out. And verse 15 says this. And when the servant of the man, so when Elijah's servant rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What can we do? It's too late. It's too late. We're surrounded. God's enemies have now surrounded us and they are going to kill us. They're going to kill us. And I don't know where you feel like you're surrounded right now, but there are times where I feel surrounded by my circumstances and it feels like death. It feels like death. But yet somehow we follow a God who says, pick up your cross, lay down your life, and die for me. He calls us the one. We don't have to follow in the other. Okay? And Elijah says something very important in verse 16. He says, don't be afraid. The most important verse is don't be afraid. And in spite of being outnumbered and surrounded, he says, fear not. Because Elisha knows, according to verse 16, there are more with them than they are with the enemy. And he prays a prayer, which is verse 17. I just want to read that again. Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, that's his servant, and he saw, what did he see? Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. So I just want to say, a lot of times we get so stuck with the circumstances and trying to read the signs on the side of the road that we forget that we have to see things with spiritual eyes sometimes. We have to see things with spiritual eyes. A lot of times 
Our walk with Jesus doesn't make sense from a practical human wisdom standpoint, but it makes complete and perfect sense with spiritual eyes, which is truth number four. We need spiritual eyes to become aware of and navigate spiritual realities. Do you believe that? We need spiritual eyes to become aware of and navigate spiritual realities. And so the thing is, is not only were spiritual eyes needed to appreciate the threat before them, spiritual eyes were also needed to see the help that was coming for them to them too. Not only could they appreciate, so sometimes it's like, well, why do I keep facing this same thing and why do I keep having this same issue? It could be because I haven't asked God to give me spiritual eyes to see it for what it really is. Sometimes I need to see what God sees so that I can appreciate what it really is. I had a mentor um, and he was a counselor and this is when I first became a pastor in Knoxville And he would say, the problem with people, and he's talking about himself too, so it's funny. It's funny to hear counselors say the problem with people when they're talking about themselves. He goes, the problem, the issue is with humans is that we either overappreciate something or we underappreciate something, right? We either attach way too much significance to this one event or we attach too little significance to this event. And I think that's what Elisha is doing here. He's saying, no, actually, God, open my spiritual eyes. Let me remove the physical eyes where I could see where I'm outnumbered and outgunned and outmanned and my life is in the balance and you actually show me the actual significance I need to attach to this event. When God does that, when we allow him space to do it, when we ask him to do that, we are no longer identified and influenced by the things that happen in our lives because we can see what God is up to. Now, sometimes it takes a long time to see those things. I've got those things, right? We've got those things. There's years of things that we walk out of and we see, God, keep showing us. Keep showing me what you're up to. Keep showing me why you allow me to experience what I experienced. Keep showing me why I was wounded there. Keep showing me why I was hurt. Why is this thing not working? And slowly and slowly, he just removes the layers and removes the layers like they're onions from our eyes. And we see with spiritual eyes. But that takes time. And that takes intentionality. And there's sometimes, like in the story this morning, where God, in his grace and mercy, gets you there really quick so that you don't have to depend on your own eyesight anymore. Spiritual eyes were needed to see not only the threat that was posed, but the help that God was sending, which leads us to truth number five. We may be surrounded by our circumstances like Elisha was in the story, but God has our circumstances surrounded. Let me say that one more time, because I don't know if all of us believe that. We may be surrounded by our circumstances, but God has our circumstances surrounded. He did it here. He does it all throughout here. He's done it in my life, and he'll continue to do so. And all he asks is for us to trust him and to hope in him when there is no hope in anything else. You are absolutely surrounded by your circumstance. Can I just say that? Actually, that's good. You are facing something you can't do on your own. I'm facing something I can't do on my own. We are surrounded by that. But God is not a God who cuts us off and leaves us to our own devices and tells us to go figure it out. He surrounds our circumstances too. And so while God grants sight to his people 
and he strikes his enemies with blinds. Isn't that interesting? Elisha is praying for sight that he would see what he would see, and God gives blindness to the circumstances so they can't even figure out what they're trying to do. And he says, actually, you're not at Dothan. And I just think it's funny, right? It's a, They knew they were at Dothan, but God made them blind, and, and, and Elisha leads them, no, you've got to go another way. And he leads them back to their country. God will use the craziest things to accomplish his will. And so as we turn our attention, and I just want to say, just real quick before we turn our attention, if you're like, I don't know what God's up to, it seems like a worthy prayer to me that, God, will you give me spiritual eyes to see what you're up to? We should pray that every day. And then we should follow that with, how can I, my life, glorify you in those circumstances? Because I said it last week, and I'll say it again, dependence upon him is independence from ourselves. And I am a fickle, fickle, fickle God to myself. But he is not. And he wants me to be independent from me and be dependent on him. And so as we turn our attention from our story to our hearts, the question I have, just a couple of questions, are you surrounded right now? Because we all are in our own way. Do you see that? Do you recognize that? And I just want you to hear, God has that thing surrounded. The next question is, is, can you see what is surrounding you? And it's so great. And if you don't, ask God to give you spiritual eyes. Another question, do you have a foothold in your life and not the good kind, right? Not the kind that provides stability and a base. Ask God to remove that from you. And finally, do you have people in your life to walk with you? Because Elisha didn't do this alone. Thank goodness his servant was by himself, right? Like there's this... What's the, uh, is it Enchanted? Is that the Disney movie with um, Rapunzel? Is that, is that the name of the movie? A Tangled, there it is. I don't know. Enchanted, Tangled, something, something. I don't know. I don't pay attention to this stuff sometimes. I should, but it's funny. Um, there's a short from it, and there, I won't ruin the story, but there's a wedding and all this thing, and like something happens where they lose the ring, and the, the and, and uh, Rapunzel melts down, and this soldier says, the kingdom is lost, and the whole island just blows up, and then it's like, oh, it's just a little dream sequence. Right. The funny thing I say that is, is because that's where I think we all feel, right? Like, we're all like, do I really want to press in to see where I'm on fire? Because, man, if I'm on fire, that means I'm getting burned. But God in his providence, and God in his grace, and God in his mercy always is there with the water, right? And a lot of times we talk about this as a staff too. It's the, what does it look like for us to be water cans and not gas cans to situations, right? Sometimes God wants you to do that for your own life too, right? And so do you have people in life to walk with you to carry those water, that water cans? So we're going to sing. Ben's going to come back up. And here's what I wanted to do. Any of those questions, are you surrounded right now? Can you see what is surrounding you? Do you have a foothold in your life and not the good kind? Do you have people in your life to walk with you? We're going to sing. And if you have an answer to any of those, whether good or not so good, I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray. Right? There's going to be people up here to pray for you. Travis, Tasha, Val, Gino, 
Emmanuel, precious, I'll be up here. If anybody else wants to come and pray for people, please, by all means, let's do that. But the only way that this story changed is that Elisha prayed for his eyes to be opened, and then Elisha prayed for God to intervene. So whatever those circumstances are, the only way out is through prayer because that is the arrow to get through the thicket. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful that you have my circumstances surrounded. I'm thankful that even if I could figure out a way to make this thing work to where I could surround my circumstances, Lord, it would fall apart so quickly. That God, you have our circumstances surrounded, and you have that, and you've done that through the death of Jesus Christ. The cross, while it beckons us to come and die, Lord, is the thing that surrounds all things. And so, God, as we sing, I pray for someone, I don't know who, that is like, I don't know how I get forward today. And I pray that someone's coming to awareness of that I've got a foothold and not the good kind. And I pray for someone who is the, I don't know what God's up to and I can't find him in the middle of this. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes because you're that good, because you're the kind of dad that doesn't throw his kids in the deep end of the pool and tells them to swim. You walk us gently and so securely away from the shallow end. As we sing, may we do that. As we sing, may we glorify your name. Because it is by you and through you and for you and of you that we do any things for you. God, I'm thankful. Holy Spirit, move. It's in your name. Amen.